Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do. I was looking um, at the calendar on the app that I have and that Brother Boyd had graciously made up for me. <laughs> and I noticed that it was, uh, uh, it would have been Brother Corrin's birthday today. So, you know, to his memory, we give honor and um, for his ministry and for Sister Corrin and just appreciate knowing him and for what he meant. And I joke about him, but please, please only take that as just humor because I appreciate him and for what he meant, and and I really mean that. He showed me a side of him that I really enjoy, and so we honor his memory, and on his birthday, I am assured in myself that he is at rest, and I appreciate it. So let's... um. We're going to study gifts today. The name of the lesson is Gifted for a Purpose. It has one verse, so let's read it, and then we'll pray. Uh, it's 1 Peter 4 and 10. So if you would, just follow along on the screen. As every man, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, let's pray. God of heaven, we love you today. Father, we thank you for your word, most of all for what it means. God, I thank you. It is the nourishment to our soul. God, I thank you. It is the chart that will lead us, direct us, Lord God. Have your way today, God. Touch us, Lord. Everything we do or say, we need your anointing, Lord. I ask you to move on the Sunday school teachers, those in the back, Lord God, every bit of ministering that will take place. Father, we need you, holy God, and I thank you that you will help us, Lord God, and direct us. Father, I thank you for what you're going to do. Touch this day, Lord God, and direct us, and we love and we praise you for it. Minister, God, as we warm our hands and our hearts around this holy word, and I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. So today what we'll do, we'll just study gifts. Like I said, it's gifted for a purpose. There's one... Actually, there's two um, comments that I want to make, actually, before we um, go to the lesson. It's um, comments that I have not made before, but you can just follow me on the screen. Um, I'm on first. I'm going to go to Exodus, um, the 20th chapter. And if you know your Bible, you know this is speaking of the Ten Commandments. Um, but this is, I, I want to deal with really the second commandment. Um, 
And I'm, I'm speaking of gifts, gifts that God has given to us. And so this is God giving the uh, Ten Commandments to Moses. And the first one, but I'll just read, the first one is in the third verse, but I'll just start at verse number one in Exodus 20. And God spake all of these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now here is number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. I believe God was just simply saying to his people, I brought you out of the house of bondage. We all know what that means. You was weighted down. You were in bondage. I brought you out. I am enough to sustain you. Don't look nowhere else. Of the other cities that you pass through, don't look where they look. I am enough. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. But Number two is the one that I want to make reference to. So he says, and number two, he, this is where he spells it out. It takes up three verses, but I want you to follow me. But this is the one. He says, and thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For the Lord thy God am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity upon the fathers, upon the children, unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. He is saying, do not take and make any graven image of anything. Now... This is my, this would be my commentary on this. When he says, do not make any graven image, he said, don't have no other gods. And I believe this is one of the greatest, loving, most careful, compassionate gifts that God ever gave, gave to humanity. And this is why I believe that. He said that with my own hands, I took and I fashioned you. I created you. I created you in my own image. Therefore, 1,450 years before Jesus dwelt in a body, if you wanted to know what God looked like, God was saying, you just walk to the water's edge and you just peer over and look at the reflection because you're looking at what God is going to look like. So he said, don't you make any graven image. I created you with my own hands. So if you take your hands and try to create something, you will only create a substitute. You would only create something that will be inferior to what I've already given you. I gave you the prototype. Therefore, you cannot, you cannot make anything better than what you already have. So he's saying, don't try to do this. Don't try to make any graven image because I've given you everything that you need. That's what he's saying. I made you. I, I, I created you with my own hands. So he is saying that I gave you a gift of what I am going to look like. I created you after me. Now, the second thing I, want to, I just want to go to quickly, this is in Psalms. In 10, uh, Psalms 103, 
and I'll, I'll just read 12, 13, and 14. In Psalms, he says, I'll just read uh, 103, 12. I'll read it first. As far as the east is from the west, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is, east is from the west. Okay. There's different theories on this. I agree with the one, and, and here again, this is me. God created us and placed us on this planet. So I'm not for theories that say it's part of heaven, or, and this is me. I'm for dealing with earth. God placed us here on earth. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, this is the farthest distance known on planet earth. So God gave us a measurement of something that we can relate to. He said, the farthest distance on planet earth is how far I will remove your iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, that is how far I've done it. And he said in, in, um, in the 13th, as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth those that fear him. When you look up the word pitieth, it means loves. So as a father loveth his children, so the Lord loveth them that fear him. Those that would honor the Lord. You don't have to wonder if the Lord loves you. The Bible says he does. He honors us. But this is the verse that I wanted to get to. Verse 14. It says, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. Now, a frame is something, and I believe that we could apply this to natural time right now. A frame is something that's inside those walls that you can't see. A frame is something that would be the strength that holds this building. So God knows, and I won't use you, I'll use me. God knows my inner strength. He knows my capability. He knows that I am but dust. He literally knows how much I can handle, where my breaking point is. It's not that where the Bible says he remembers that I am but dust. He remembers creating me, and he knows my capacity. He knows my frame. He knows where there, where there I don't think that whatever I'm going through, Whatever I am in, I don't have to wonder. It's like, God, do you really realize what I'm in, the weight of what I'm under? He absolutely knows what I'm under and what I'm in. God really knows because the Bible says he knows our frame. He knows the strength of what I'm, the load I am under. So therefore, I believe it is a gift that God has given us that he knows us. So the enemy and our flesh would try to trick us and saying, you know, if God really loved you, if God really loved you, he wouldn't put all of this on you. That's not Bible. We serve a loving God that's kind and compassionate that all we have to do is shut that door, shut that world out and say, God, you know me, you know my capacity and you won't put nothing on me that I can't handle. So therefore, I'll agree with this word. 
and says, I know that you have my days numbered. You have my days in order. You have my strength and my goodness, everything settled. And therefore, I know that you will help and give me the strength that I need to overcome whatever my eyes is looking at. Therefore, it is a gift that we have from God. Now, I will go back to the lesson. The Bible says that we are gifted for a purpose. Gifted for a purpose. Now, that verse, I'll read it again. It says, as every man hath received the gift. 1 Peter 4.10. Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, when it has been quoted... So many times where the Bible says, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. And that is so true. So true. If you do not think that you can't do it like somebody else, would you just give me one second and look at me? You are not expected to. You are not expected to. Listen Listen to the words of this verse. As every man hath received the gift, God has given the gift. Even so minister the same one to another. The gift that God has blessed you with. Okay, what if you're... Okay, I'll use me. You can, you can relax. What if I'm like me, a little reserved, and just love the Bible and love what would bore you to death excites me? But I can't be flamboyant and just out there like somebody else and just walk around and hang my head and just, well, I can't be like them. God said, take the gift that you have been given and that you minister that is the key. We think because we're not like everybody else, we're not doing right. No. It says minister that gift one to another. Those that you meet, share that with those that you meet. That is what the Bible says. The gift that you have been gifted with, minister that. Don't, don't try to branch out somewhere that God hadn't anointed you in. Because that would be going wrong. What God has anointed you with, that is what you do. And then it says, uh, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, the manifold grace of God, meaning it is never going to run out. As ever, whatever area you think you're in, ever how, I'll use me, ever how weird you think you might be, if God has forgiven you, put his spirit in you, everywhere you're at, you think you're on the chart, the manifold grace of God is available. Don't think you're so out there that God won't give you the grace. He will. He says as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A lot of people think that I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't be like them. I'm going to scream it again. You're not supposed to be. What you're supposed to be is the gift 
that God has given you. Take that gift and just give it to someone else. And God said, if you would do that, that's what you were supposed to do as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And if you do that, I'm trying my best to take the pressure off of you. Because a lot of people think that they, they, they set their self according to someone else. And you really shouldn't do that. You really shouldn't do that. We should do what God has called us to do. Us to do. But I'm saying everyone has a job. And I'll prove that later. God has given us a gift. Everyone has received a gift. That's Bible. As every man hath received the gift. And God said, take that gift. It is a free gift. Take that gift. Now, we have been studying about Paul, about how he took Paul coming to the church. I have joked about Paul coming to the church, about how these men took him in. I really and truly don't know how I would have reacted if someone come to our church in these days. I've joked about it, but in, in all seriousness, I really don't know how I would react if God sent a modern-day Paul to us that was doing the things that he was doing, I really don't know how I'd react. If I could be like Ananias and, and just my first words to him would be, Brother Paul, I don't know. I would hope and pray, really, that I would have enough of the Holy Ghost to let God guide me and just... <laughs> Not to be to the point like, do you know what that joker's been doing? And me welcome him? Then I'm telling you straight up, I would be wrong. I would be wrong. No matter what they look like, what color they are, if God sends them, it is not up to me to condemn them. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm not the one that says you can't come here. Heaven forbid that I would do that. For Ananias to stand here and offer him a hand and say, Brother Saul, I'm telling you, that is uh, multiple lessons within itself of showing the kindness and the compassion of our God. But here is Saul, and here are Paul, ever how you want to refer to him. The Bible says he's just standing there. He's wondering. The Bible, they make a commentary here. He's just standing at a door. He's suspecting that someone's behind him. But ever since the death of Stephen, that Saul consented of, he allowed it to go on for Stephen to be stoned, that he's made havoc of the church he had. But on his way to Damascus, the vision happened. We know what happened there. And then anyone following Judaism that he sought to have put to death, Saul did. And then Christians feared to even talk with this man. And you really can't blame him. I mean, for what he was allowing to help him. But ever since all of this had happened, Paul had never felt so alone. This is a man between two worlds. His former world didn't want him. And the Christian says... <laughs> We might love you, but not now, buddy. You know, so he was, he, the dude was alone. He, he surely was alone. But there's this voice 
that comes behind him and says, what are you looking for? And it was Barnabas. You know, here's this Barnabas comes up to him and he says, I seek Christians. And really, you seek Christians? You know, I'm sure Barnabas is thinking, well, what for? Do you want fellowship or do you want their life? You know, I'm sure. But Paul said, I wish to join them. So he tells him they found a, a place away from the town. Paul told him his story to Barnabas. Literally, to Barnabas, it sounded like a made-up story. But he wondered if it was just Paul trying to infiltrate the church from the inside out. And later, Paul would even warn us that we would have people that would come into the church to watch for them. But all, all he could do was just tell the truth. And that's where we have been taught for so many years. You need the spirit of discernment. And, but when he finished his testimony, Barnabas just sat there and stared at him for a long time. Then he held out his hand, and then he said he would take him to the disciples. And every one of us, every one of us, I believe the Bible, has been given a unique gift, regardless of what it may be. God doesn't leave nobody out. Nobody. Everyone has a gift. God has given us. Barnabas, he was called the son of consolation. Even before the Bible says that disciples sold the first land, they literally, and laid the money at the apostles' feet, he was given this name, Barnabas was. So what an encouragement it must have been to have Barnabas start to get on his side. It really must have been an encouragement to him. We are the body of Christ, and God will conclude or will not have no unnecessary parts in his church. And we are all part of the body of Christ. Just as this, this physical body needs all of its parts, the church does. It's the enemy that tries to tell us, I'm not important. I'm not important. Everyone is. Everyone is. God loves us all. All. Oh, I believe that we can get that in the parable where, when the ones that, that started late and the ones that started early was all paid. It's not at what time you start. You know, I've had people say, well, he, he didn't receive the Lord till he was 80 years old. And you're mad about it? We're only here a few years. What's that compared to eternity? That is no comparison. Literally, think about that. A few years compared to eternity, our mind can't even comprehend that. So if somebody literally somehow managed, and just bear with me with this, as we would say, receive God somehow and God accepted them at the literally the last moments of their life, thank God for it. Thank God for it. Never should I go against that. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, But all of these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severately as he will, how God will. Sometimes we would let our own flesh tell us we have no part, but we do. We do have a part. We should not become, and there again, we should not let our gifts, our own natural talent, make us arrogant. 
thinking that, well, if I'm not there, you know, <laughs> this is a joke and only a joke. But, you know, if you don't come to church and you don't come to church, well, how did y'all have church? I mean, I wasn't there. <laughs> That's just a joke. <laughs> But seriously, you you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be so arrogant. You think you know it's all on me because it's not. It's not. It takes all of us. It takes all of us. James one seventeen says, "Every good and perfect gift gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, of whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning." And I'm telling you, that's what we need. When our world changes, we well, used to could say day to day, but it is second by second now. And hold on to something that does not change. Does not change. Now, God has given us a gift. He has done so for a reason. Now, I've said before, a while ago, that God has given us a gift. We are accountable to it. And now, I'm fixing to quote a verse in Romans. A lot of times when I've heard this verse quoted... It's almost been in a condemning way. Here again, I've said it. Don't think I'm trying to get on to you, but don't quote this verse in a negative tone. This verse is a promise for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The without repentance refers to God. That is, if you read ahead of this, It is speaking of the Gentiles. Here it is speaking of the salvation of Israel. And it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. What it means, simply to me, what God has promised, he will never change his mind on. We live in a world where our word means nothing. Nothing. And I say that respectively. You can say, you used to, you just shake a hand, a word, your word was your bond. Not, not anymore. Even a contract means nothing. You have to have a 12 lawyers. But now, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. What God has promised, if you read it in here, you don't have to worry about it. Close your Bible and forget it. God will not change his mind. God is not a man that he should lie. He will not change his mind, meaning without repentance. In other words, God didn't say it so he could later change his mind. That's why I'm saying don't look at that negative. Look at that as a positive. What God has promised you, it's done. It is done. It is a promise. Promise. So being an encourager was not always easy for Barnabas. One time his nephew John Mark once went with Paul and Barbara on a missionary journey, but for some reason turned back, and the Bible does not clearly state. But later Barnabas wanted to take John Mark and give a second chance, but Barnabas felt so strongly the need to give John Mark the second chance, but he got in an argument with Paul And apparently it got pretty heated. But that gift cost Barnabas his close relationship with Paul at that time. But later, John Mark would go on to write the gospel, 
of Mark. So it's just being an encouragement. At times it cost. So it did. And, and everything was okay because we see in later writings where Paul wrote to Timothy 4 and 11. And he said, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. We're just human. That's what I said last time, I think. We get crossed up. Hey, we're just flesh. It doesn't matter that we call ourselves Christians. (laughs) We can still get crossed up. Paul and Barnabas did. And Mark, he's thrown right in the middle of it. But they ironed it out. He wrote the gospel of Mark. Paul later said, you know what? Bring him because he's profitable unto me for the ministry. So they they ironed it out. They ironed it out. So the Bible tells us in Exodus 36.1, speaking of gifts, then then wrought uh, Bezalel, Aholiab, and every wise hearted man in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary, according to all that the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the heart of the Lord had put wisdom and then whose every heart is stirred up to come unto the work to do it. Now, God had given these gifts, gifted artisans, ones simply for a specific purpose. They was to build the tabernacle, the furniture, and the priest's garments. God had gave them gifts, and they used their gifts to work. And Moses had called them, and they did that. And, and the Bible says that their hearts were stirred to do this. But being gifted and having a heart to work is going to equal a ministry. And that's what they used. Moses called them. They was ready to go. They not only had a gift, but they was willing to be used and exercise that gift. So they did it. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. With all. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. You know, the last thing some people wants to hear is that, you know, it's not about you. Come on. (laughs) It's about the church. It's about the church. And sometimes, sometimes, hey, we're just flesh and blood. Sometimes we get wounded and hurt. And I believe at times like that, when we come to church, you may never even tell a soul. But I believe God has ways of dealing with that. I believe God can minister and touch and strengthen because that manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Other words, to strengthen everyone, to strengthen the body of Christ. Because, you know, sometimes you just feel like, maybe not this dramatic, but Y'all don't know what I've been through this last week. <laughs> you would view me a little bit different if you knew what I've been through this last week. 
But hey, life happens to us all. And we all go through things that we never could imagine that would happen to us. And I'm joking, but I'm dead serious. It does. And I'm telling you, I go back to Psalms. God knows our frame. He knows our inner strength. And I'm telling you, close that door. Shut that world out. And God knows our inner strength. He knows our inner strength. Having then different gifts, Romans 12, 6. Having then different gifts, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. With a prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Simply having a gift is not enough. Many people only accomplish a little because they do not exercise their gift. And they think their gift may be so small or God hadn't anointed them in their gift. I'm telling you, I will always go with the Bible. Always. Always. And this book says every man's been given a gift. So that's what I believe. That is what I believe. Every man. Every man. Now, when we are stirred for action and find ourselves in a place of effectiveness where our gifting best fits, we find peace and power. And I truly believe that. Because sometimes if we think, if I could just shut the world out, and if I could just find some peace and rest and be still, I would be okay. But that's truly not right. When, we, when God called us, he knows us, he knows our innermost working. And when we find ourselves useful, that's why when he created Adam and Eve, he gave them a job. The Bible says basically they was in what we would call paradise. He didn't say, hey, baby, you got it made. Just live it up. He gave them a job. He get, put them to be occupied. So in the house of God, in the kingdom of God, when we do work for God, it's out here. The work out here, the stresses of life, is what stress us. And a lot of time, them stresses is what stress us in here whether we admit it or not. But when we can shut that out and come in here and find our effectiveness in the house of God, that's where we find peace. That's why I said, I'm telling you, with everything that's in me, as long as I've been coming to this church since 1982, when I come in that front door, I listen. I shut them doors and I start listening. This is a holy place. And I listen. When I lived over there, side the church for five years, I have got up at two and three o'clock in the morning by myself and come over here and not even cut the lights on, just come in here in the pitch black and just say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. I don't let the darkness of this place bother me. This is a holy place. God, speak to me. And that's the way I look at it. When I come in, God, I want to hear. I know you're going to speak. I know you're going to speak. So please don't let the outside world interrupt, interrupt what the Spirit of God would have to say. Because I tell you, I do. All the years I've been coming, that's what I do. God, 
I don't want the outside world to interrupt what you're saying because I fully believe that with everything that's in me that you are going to speak and I want to hear it. 1 Timothy 4 and 14 says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given to thee by prophecy, with the laying on the hands of the presbytery. Timothy was a gifted young minister, but I don't know what happened if it was just his youth or people just trying to put him down because of his youth. And Paul said, look, Timothy, you are gifted. We have laid our hands on you. You have been anointed. You can't let your youth override what has been anointed in you. And Paul was instructing him, and he took and, and he went on in 2 Timothy 1 through 6. Uh, I mean, excuse me, 6 and 7 says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift. What gift? The gift that you was anointed with, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of peer, fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. And when you truly slow that down and look at that verse, that is everything that we need. That is what we need to be successful in working for God. Fear oftentimes, oftentimes hinders us. But this, power's going to come for God, our love for God, a sound mind, all of these, all of these comes from God. Barnabas, he gave financially, the Bible says, in Acts 4 and 36, and Joe's by the, uh, who by the apostles, whose surname was Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite in the city of Cyprus, having land sold it, brought it, laid it at the apostles' feet. Romans, the Bible tells us, urges uh, us to distribute to the necessity of the saints' hospitality. It says to feed even your enemies as a way to overcome evil with good and directs us to use hospitality one to another without grudging. 1 Corinthians 9 tells us, have we, not, uh, have we not power to eat and drink? Have we not the power to lead a sister, a wife, and other as well as the other apostles and the brethren of the Lord Cephas? Or I only and Barnabas have not the power to forbear, to forbear working and labor um, with our hands being reviled and blessed, being persecuted, we suffer it. We suffer it. He was saying that they, even though that they receive support, they still work. They believe this message. They not only said, you know, I'm going to do this, but they did. They work. And Acts tells us, these tidings of them came forth to the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, was seen by the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord, for he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. We should never underestimate the power of an encouraging word of just what God can do for us just when we need it. Now, he took, he continued to work. And just one final note I want to I want to make mention. The Bible talks about that Barnabas and Paul 
there in the end, it makes mention of them being at the synagogue and they was there together and maybe they had been asked, Barnabas and Saul, to share a thought, maybe a message. And I think every one of us should be to this point. But the lesson makes mention of this, and I think it's very, um, it's worth repeating. Up to this point, when they was at the synagogue, and not Barnabas, but Paul brings a message. Up to this point, the Bible makes mention of them as Barnabas and Saul. And Barnabas has always encouraged him and supported him. But this day, he said, no, you. God has blessed you. He's encouraged him all. But after this point, after this point, the Bible, when it refers to them, it is Paul and Barnabas. The man has done his job. He had encouraged him. He had seen him through. He had done everything that he was supposed to do. And that's unique to me. All up to this point, his name was first. But then I think he had, this great man that wrote so much of the New Testament, all of a sudden, his name is second. And Paul's name is first. That's a gift that was given to him by God. And he exercised that gift. We have gifts. And truly where I started. Fourteen hundred and fifty years before Jesus Christ ever walked the face of this earth. He said, if you want to know what I look like, just go to the water's edge. Look at your reflection. Because I give you what I look like. It was a gift. It was a gift. Hallelujah. God bless you. Let's stand. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.